Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we are reviewing The Prestige, a prestigious movie by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> In 2006, we had the space oddity himself, David Bowie, got together with Wolverine, Batman, <laughs> Black Widow, uh, Ar- uh, Arthur, uh, yeah, Alfred, Alfred, yeah, I don't Ulysses Claw, yeah, and Claw, Gollum, Gollum and, Snow, and the lady from Iron Three, Iron Man Three, whose name I can't remember. Iron Man Three, yeah, Rebecca Hall. <laughs> but yeah, we had all of these superheroes and various sundry characters gathered together for this magical movie about magic. I, I think this was the movie when I realized Christopher Nolan was a thing because I enjoyed Batman Begins. I I didn't connect my, the dots in my brain that he was the singer I directed Insomnia, mm. uh, but like, but the prestige was like, hey, this guy isn't just like a superhero movie director. Like, there's something here. Like, there's something more. Yeah, he always seems to have something to say there. Yep. Well, before we get to the prestige in any kind of depth or detail, I think it's time we keep it 100. <laughs> It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. Okay, Jamie, you are leading us off this week. All right, here we go. Timer started now. Uh, so I, I finally got to watch Finch, and I did finish it. Um, <laughs> I managed to squeeze in a couple of movies this weekend. Um, and I was right to be excited. Um, the trailer blew me away. I got... I got really pumped. Um, I didn't know what that movie was. I had somehow it snuck up on me and I finally got to watch it. And it is a beautiful movie. It is visually very appealing. It's got a lot of heart. Um, It's both funnier than the trailer lets on. And it's also more sort of emotionally moving than, than a really great trailer let on. It's a great performance by Tom Hanks. The robots, plural, are both very entertaining. Um, and for those of you who are wondering, uh, the dog lives. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> I'm willing to spoil that because a lot of people that won't, won't watch a movie think that they think the dog's going to die. Right. Uh, the dog True. lives. Um, it's it's a very interesting movie. It's 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 pretty much the movie you think it is from the trailer. It's a couple of twists and turns, and highly recommend it. If you have access to Apple TV Plus. Um, it's a good time, and it'll kick you in the feels a little bit. Finch is my keeping it 100. Okay, that may need to be moved up on the cool. list then. Yeah. Very good movie. <clears throat> may need to be Sweet. moved up on the list. Okay, good deal, good deal. Well, I'm going to go next. <clears throat> now, I'm going to revisit uh, what I spoke about last week because I talked about the Eternals, and I got sideways glances from both of my co-hosts. Like... <sighs> You're talking about this because I did not know at the time that this is like a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> this thing's getting all kinds of shade. But really, I mean, you have a movie with 10 lead characters, essentially. Uh, but they really focus on like three. Uh, the other ones are just kind of, you know, doing their thing in and out. But it re- and it did establish and does establish, I guess, a whole other view of, of the Marvel universe, a whole other side, you know, visiting, uh, you know, the, the celestial, the, uh, eternal 
characters, you know, these much larger galactic type characters. Uh, kind of a neat introduction for Galactus. But, you know, as much shade as the movie got, I, I, don't, I don't see it from watching it. I think maybe two characters were miscast, but we really didn't get a whole lot of them. Uh, but it does give you a lot of um, a lot of information to digest. And I think that's where uh, people are really uh, having a hard time. You know, like, it's not Iron Man. It's not Captain America. But it's a, it's a much larger view it starts almost biblically in the beginning you know it tells the story of how the uh, celestials created the universe you know uh, a very interesting uh you know take but i i, I don't see the hate I, I really enjoyed it so give it a chance mm. i'm all, so hoping to get around to seeing that <laughs> i listen to a lot of movie podcasts um you're the only person that speaks of it positively. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost really, all the reviews are bad. I really enjoyed quite a few characters. Like I said, I think maybe two of them were miscast, and uh, and but we did, really didn't get a lot of Angelina Jolie or or some Hayek. I'm right. I'm going to watch it, but yeah, I'm not as enthused as I was initially. Yeah, I, I I really I really thought it was a good time, and you know it's not as action packed. It's pretty dialogue heavy, but like I said, they are feeding you a lot of information. Yeah, well, I like a slow movie, so I mean, uh, this might be up my alley, but they, they've definitely dampened my enthusiasm. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like I mean, it's almost like Marvel's slow sci-fi, you know. Gotcha. Um, the comparison I've heard more than once. This is Marvel's Batman v Superman. No, no, no. <laughs> <Okay. None at> <laughs> <all>. <laughs> right. Oh, mercy. All right. Well, I'm going to start my timer because I'm going to go to the flip side of that. Because thanks to Disney Plus Day, I finally got to dip my toes into what I feel is the true first MCU film of Phase 4. And that is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, it made its debut on Disney Plus this past weekend, and man, it was a ride. This is such a fun movie. The action scenes are just fantastic. Um, I thought Simu Liu did such a good job bringing this new character to an already jam-packed MCU. But mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you the truth. Aquafina as Katie stole every scene she was in. She is hilarious. Um, I really think Marvel and Disney definitely kicked off this new phase with these characters, the story of Shang-Chi, his family. Um, and of course, we also pick up on some continuity that was left over from Iron Man 3 with the return of Trevor Slatterly. Uh, but in true Marvel fashion, we get our mid-credit and in-credit scenes that I think are really going to open up the MCU. And of course, we know the Ten Rings will return. Uh, and that's why Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings gets my nod for this week's Keeping It 100. Okay. Yeah, that one I've got no reservations about. That was a blast. Yeah, it's still yeah. Uh, on my radar. So I'm still going to have to check that one out and see how the Eternals compare. You're talking about the mid and post credit scene opening up some some character or opening up the MCU mm -hmm. some. You know, even though there are like 10 main characters in Eternals, there are four introduced in the after credit scenes. Oh. 
Wow. Interesting. Yeah, very, yeah. So hang around for those after credit scenes because there are four introduced. That's as far as I'm going to go with that, guys. So let's go ahead and get into our opening thoughts and grades on the prestige. I'm really, really excited to do this until I saw that I'm leading off on this. Then <laughs> <laughs> no, his excitement tampers. Then my excitement dampens just a bit. But then I realized what a great movie this is. So A plus. A plus masterful storytelling. I mean, when you, when you take all of these great actors and you give them developed characters, uh, uh, something to say, it's really put together very masterfully as Nolan does. You know, you have magic murder and mystery from a super detective, a super thug and a super spy as they all have got together. I, I just love the, all, all of the view, the, the um, magic, the uh, the back and forth. Very interesting. I'm not going to say any more until we get into it, our fans and pans because there's a lot to say. But I loved it. I, I really enjoyed this movie. Huh. Okay. Well, so I guess this is where I pick up. Um, this is an interesting movie for me on a number of levels. First of all, you get a Nolan film. It's got all the twists and turns we expect from Nolan. Add to that an amazing cast. Bale, Jackman, ScarJo. You're ticking a lot of boxes for me there. The Prestige is even set in Edwardian London. I mean, come <laughs> on. This should be a slam dunk. A movie made for Sammy. I'm having a similar V for Vendetta thing like Jamie had, and I don't know why. Um, you know, the actors weave together this tale, and it is intriguing. It, it's confusing sometimes, but it is intriguing. Um, but I think the biggest thing I had is there's not one character I empathize with. Everyone is using everyone else, and they're willing to go to any length to prove their point. This is like turn of the century Jersey Shore. All right. Um, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Nolan captures the era perf- perfectly. We got all the class system stuff that that's so prominent during this period. And that really helps the grades. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go with what was it, Jamie? You gave V like a, a C or something. Yeah. that bad. I'm going to go B plus. Um, like I said, the story's great. I just had a hard time with some of these characters. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought we had a ring of honor for sure here. Um, I'm going A+. Plus. This is a Sorry, great movie. And, I, and somehow I, it's one of the ones that kind of, when I think about the great Nolan movies, this one slips through the cracks. And I'm not quite sure why, because every time I rewatch it, I'm just, I'm blown away. Um, but I did realize something as I was, as I finished this movie, I realized that my favorite Nolan movie is always the one I watched most recently. <laughs> that uh, happen. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorite directors and I love almost all of his movies just unreservedly. Um, Tenet is like a, yeah, it's a step down from the best. Insomnia is a step down from the best, but like with those exceptions, everything else is just top notch. And this is among that group. It's just a top notch movie. That when it's the most recent Nolan movie I've watched, it's my favorite Nolan movie. So right now, The Prestige <laughs> is my favorite Nolan movie. It's your favorite. So Sam just pulled a a, a Dwayne on the Winter Soldier. 
Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, I don't know what it was. I don't – I mean, it's a beautiful movie to look at. I mean, all of that works. The cast is amazing. I just had a hard time with these characters. Well, that, like, that is – I didn't, I didn't like anybody. You know? <laughs> See, that is very similar. Like, there, that, that, there's, sometimes there can be that one thing. It doesn't like that's what happened to me with V for Vendetta. Yeah. I didn't buy V and Evie, and it ruined everything else around it that really should have worked for me. Yeah. Right. And so not not having a character to latch onto could have ruined all the other stuff that worked so well. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it's it's good. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it's just there's just something that that just kept pushing me back a little bit. I don't know. So. Well, I guess we can all be wrong together from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we all have those <laughs> yeah and, and that's what what is so interesting uh, you know that, that i enjoy the show so much because some of these things that we think might be one thing end up being slightly different for other folks uh, you know as, as as we're watching as we experience it as like you said you know and it could be one little hang up that just puts you off of, of that so much but uh let's uh Go ahead. I was gonna say I, I think you and I have a similar issue with like the last two Captain America movies. Like you've got these little concerns with Winter Soldier that drop its grade for you, whereas I'm that same way with Civil War. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There's like an aspect of that that I really don't like. That kind of like you know I, I couldn't give it as high like 95 percent of that movie I would give one grade and it's like five percent of it that drives me nuts. Drive, yeah, it just yeah. just really goes crazy. Just, yeah. yeah. Things hit people differently. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. But those are all pretty solid grades. So there should be something floating around here in the fan section for us. So here we go. All right. So I gave it the lowest grade, and now I found it interesting. I'm leading off on fans. Um, (laughs) And and I think I've really already kind of alluded to it. It's just the cast itself. Um, This is an amazing lineup of actors, uh, well-versed actors. Um, Yeah, I didn't like any of them, but I guess that's part of their job, right? Uh, If they can elicit frustration and anger in me, then – they're doing what they should be doing, right? Uh, you know, Angier and Borden both are driven by personal desires, but neither really take a moment to appreciate what they have. Um, you know, I know that almost sounds like, like a backdoor pan, but it's really not. But that that is what builds those characters. And I think that's what makes them the two sides of the coin that, that these actors can bring to the story. Um, it's really a morality play at heart. Uh, it just happens on Jir Drew, the short stick. First, uh, <laughs> that goes. But, but just this cast, it really is an amazing, amazing lineup of, of actors in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's just <laughs> some of them got collected in the, the Nolan circle of trust there, and some of them didn't. But I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's an amazing cast. I mean, like Rebecca Hall has got like, Rel- a relatively small role in here and she's just the scene she's in she's killing it mm-hmm. yeah 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 they all choose some scenery all very strong but yeah. I, I, I think too this is the this this is the movie that convinced people like yes we want to be in Nolan movies 
because um, everybody here, I mean, he, he everybody shines. And, and after that, you've seen people just line up to be in Nolan movies. So, yeah. Um, I'm up next. And for me, I, I could be completely off base on this, but I feel like this is the movie where, where he lets us behind the curtain a little bit. And we see some of the, the creative philosophy of Nolan. Um, I think he uses magic at times in this movie as an allegory for his thoughts on filmmaking and on storytelling in general. Um, and there, I think there's thoughts about the, the sacrifice required to make great art and that in some ways, um, uh, Alfred sort of is functioning as him. Like, you know, Nolan has to make sacrifices, personal sacrifices, interpersonal sacrifices to make the movies he makes, to make them the way he makes them, that there's costs required in that. But I also feel like there's a couple of scenes where, where he talks about sort of the purpose of magic. And I think that he's, I think what he's, I think you could just take out magic and put in storytelling in there. And I think we're, I think we're, we're getting what, what he's about, that the purposes of stories are, are really escapism, that life is hard and it's rough. But if the storyteller can distract the audience for a brief time from the pain and struggle of life, then, then the creator has done something worthwhile. And so I think, I think there's like a little subtle message. It's a revenge story. It's a morality tale. It's a rivalry story. But I think there's little glimpses of, of personal messages from Nolan in there about his creative philosophy. And I really like that. Um, I, I found it um, a beneficial thing on a rewatch to keep sort of like, you know, looking for that. Like where, where is no, where, where's Nolan speaking to us beyond the story of this movie? And um, I feel like there's a, a little, a little bit more meta going on here than just the story itself. And I, I really enjoy digging into that. So what you're saying is Nolan as a director is like Jeff Lemire as a writer for you, right? Because they both do that similar thing, doing that meta kind of taking you behind the scenes of, of their creative process. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, always, I, think... I always go back to that. I always go back to Black Hammer when they get out of the ear and all the people are lined up in the clouds and stuff. So. Yeah, I've, I've got a soft spot for that kind of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's probably my pretension showing, but <laughs> <laughs> but I dig that. I, I I like I like creative the you know creative philosophy and like how people think about their art and their craft. And I, I feel like we get a little bit of that here. I mean, not a lot. I mean, Nolan Nolan is a good storyteller and he sticks to his story. But I, it's funny. There's those little moments. I'm like, you know, I think you're doing a little some extra here. And he said, Lemire's not subtle about it. <laughs> I think Nolan's a lot more subtle. But yeah, I just, I enjoyed it. But yeah, it, it is definitely a, a way to hook me into your story. Get get, gotcha. get a little extra, a little meta about it. And you got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie took, uh, took my fan and added a lot more to it than I had. And, and sounded even smarter than than I ever could. So, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, that's that's my uh, really my fan is you know th- you get to see behind the curtain, you know the tools and the apparatus of how magic is performed, how people want to be fooled, and and they'll buy these things. Uh, you know, you've got this big machine on your back that breaks down the cage and pulls it into your sleeves. Uh, the the trap doors in the floor, the uh, the the certain knots, you know, the way that that, uh, that certain things have to be tied and things uh, to make it look realish enough. You pull that slight illusion, that slight left hand side, 
while you're drawing their attention to the right. You've got a pretty young lady over here while you're doing something over there. You drop it up your sleeve or in your pocket. You know, all of the little side tricks that, that even storytellers, uh, you know, like Jamie, you're making me realize too, you know, how this, that even storytellers do, you know, he, they're, they're showing us one thing while telling us, you know, a, a morality tale, you know, revenge is bad. Uh, you know, don't let it consume you, you know, <laughs> um, the, the, you know, the, the uh, challenge there between, uh, you know, board and Angier, how, how it just consumes their lives. And, you know, at, at the risk of ruining, uh, uh, someone's quote here, but you know, you know, you know people want to be fooled. You know, we, we need that escapism. You know, but also don't let it consume you because you know how heartbreaking was it when you see Borden and Sarah's relationship, and he says, "I love you," and she says, "You don't mean it today." And then he, you know, then then those acknowledgments, how singular-minded that these people can be, you know, is, was so intense, but yeah, just that glance behind the scene, you know, of, of how magic works and all the, all this stuff there that, that is attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of thematic stuff in there that you hit on that. I mean, I, I think that in, in some ways this might be um, his most like theme rich movie. Because there's so much. There's revenge. There's the danger of rivalry. The danger of obsession. I mean, there's, there's, there's. I mean, the danger of secrets. I mean, there's, there's so much going on here that, um, I mean, if, if, <laughs> if scholars should look down their nose at Nolan, you could, you, you could write PhD papers on this. I mean, there's dissertations in, in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, it has a feel of like classical literature. It definitely does. Yeah, there's some Charles Dickens in here. Yeah. yeah. And he does it unlike V for Vendetta without beating you over the head with it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I don't have a clever segue. Um, How about we just do the pants section? (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Well, I'm up first, and this is a... I don't really have opinion, but I've got some a little something here. Um, I, th- I think that as, as theme-rich as this movie is, I think that it's got one of the least rewatch values of the Nolan movies. And I think this is why I end up circling back to it the least. Um, it's got a little bit of that sixth sense thing to it. where there's a, like, a lot of Nolan's movies are puzzle boxes. I think this is the most puzzly boxy of the bunch, though. Like, there's the trick. Like, what's happening with Borden? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what is what is the deal with on Angier's you know with his transported man box? What's going on there? And then you get the end. And it's revealed. It's like oh, I get it now. And there's a second watch. You go back and see if it actually works. Right? Mm-hmm. Do, does the puzzle box work? And then after that, how many how many more watches do you get out of this? Now I think when you go back, knowing the knowing the secrets. I think there's a lot of thematic stuff here, but not a lot. I mean, how often do we watch movies that way? We just want to be entertained, yeah. usually. Um, and so I think there's it's got a little bit less rewatch value. I mean, you can just watch The Dark Knight all day, just for the performances, for the action, um, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like this is it's just it's a little bit dependent on its gimmick, and, one, and once you know the gimmick, it kind of limits how many rewatches it's got. That's all I've got. <laughs> I still love yeah. this movie. And right now, it's yeah. my favorite Nolan movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 
Well, you're you're not wrong, you know, because once, like I said, once you see that twist, once you see uh, how that turn works, um, you know, there's there's a few more watches to to catch the the build ups. Oh, that's what's going on here. That's what's happening there. You know, and then you say, and in any any other time is just you know to see these actors tour to forcing it. You know, just just to see that. But yeah, I, I'm I'm with the Jamie. I really don't have a pan, and and I guess this pan could apply to all Nolan movies. You know, may, maybe shave a little bit of this run times. <laughs> you know, all these things. And this is even one of the shorter ones as we were discussing earlier. You know, it's one of the shorter ones. But man, you know, sure, these these things are an investment, you know, in time, you know, and the way he tells stories. You have to engage, you have to pay attention, you have to be mentally present for these. You know, and sometimes that can be a challenge for some of us with, you know, with, uh, you know, a very busy <laughs> schedules as we're finding out sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was reflecting on that recently. Look, at, I was thinking about all the movies I watched, like when I was in college and stuff, and right after college, like. Like I would watch like sometimes two movies a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine yep. doing that now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can't watch oh, yeah. episodes of the Clone Wars in a day anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking yep. about. I was thinking about this. Like I'm like I remember one day I watched all three of the Lord of the Rings extended editions. <laughs> you know, just just all day one day. Nope. No more. <laughs> no, doesn't happen. Stupid life. <laughs> and I have no children, so I I don't get to either. And that's the, that's the thing. <laughs> what are you doing with your time? <laughs> yeah. You... <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All Sam. right. I'm sure you've so, got a pain. So here's where I guess where my well part of my pain comes in. Um, you know, almost every element of the prestige is very grounded in its world. Okay, the seediness of the entertainment business, especially illusionists of the time. And on retro and kind of retrospect, that's probably why I had a hard time with this because I loved Blackstone the Magician, and this made all magicians just look like funky people. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he used to come to my school when I was in elementary school. There was a magician that came every year, and I look forward to that every year. Uh, but back on what I was talking about, um, but I think this movie goes off the rails with the whole electrical cloning thing. Uh, I really don't know what that was about. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Six Sense because I keep feeling like Nolan's trying to do an M. Night Juke move here. Um, and it just doesn't work. Everything else to me is so grounded in in being an illusionist and, and, and things that we know about magicians. Then there's this just weird element that, you know, I'm going to clone you with electricity if, feels more Mary Shelley than, than, you know, illusionist of Edwardian London. So that's because it's a cheat. He's absolutely yeah. cheating. Cause he can remember the way he said, said it repeatedly. There's the three steps, right? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta show him something normal and make it look fantastic. And then you do the prestige, you know, where you unveil the whole thing. I think I said those steps wrong, but like the, the three steps don't work when it comes to Angier's box. It doesn't right. work. There really is something. Fa- it's not something normal that they're hiding under like the fantastic. It just is fantastic, and there's never it's never yeah. an explanation. There's not a uh, a natural way that that works, and so he, it's yeah. it's a cheat. It, he breaks his own rules, but it's mm-hmm. awesome. And I'm a Tesla fan, so 
I roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later, but, but that, just, that, that element bothered me. That element bothered me. Oh, you're right. You're 100% right. It's a cheat. He absolutely breaks his own rules. He, he set up the rules in this movie, and he broke them. He broke, yeah. I just don't care enough to put it in the pan section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and when you do it as well as, as that was done, you know. And you know, and I guess that's one thing too. I'll, I'll, before we move on to our wars, that's one thing too. The you know the the rules were established, and then the rules were broken. So I mean, I guess it just shows you, you know this is magic, and these are all the all the little things that have to do with magic, unless it's real, you know, unless unless there really is something fantastical going on. But you know, as fantastical as this movie is, I know we have some awards. So let's move on to our awards. Nerdler. Okay, and I get the pleasure nay the honor of leading off with best performance <clears throat> it was really hard to choose it was really hard to choose best performance but i'm going to just go ahead and go with the the cloned one himself mr hugh jackman robert angier you know just his doggedness to get at borden uh you know the revenge the wrongness he he you know that, that happened to him uh, <clears throat> the the life he created. Uh, he, I, I love to see Hugh Jackman just chew some scenery up, you know. And I'm and I'm glad it wasn't his Wolverine this time. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm gonna jump in because I agree with you, and I'm gonna say his name as we say it on Graphically Novel. Huge jacked man um, <laughs> was. I, I think, and, and I, it's it's the design of the roles. Um, he he's the showman who's not as good a magician, whereas Borden is the guy who's the more subdued person because he's the magic engineer who is a very good showman. So Jackman gets to be more charismatic. But mm-hmm. I mean, you think about the subtle scenes, like the, the emotional scenes um, when his wife dies. I mean, you believe he looks like someone who's you know in the shock of loss when that happens. Um, yeah. But for me, I think. Uh, the moment that like does it that put him over the top was this was the very first cloning scene um when he sees himself and that confusion and then like you know the immediate like i've got well i gotta kill this dude <laughs> i know he's me <laughs> i gotta kill him and then like that confusion and the like the shock over what he I, I just that that scene i thought was it's subtle i mean it's a little bit a little bit subtle but i just thought that was a really great performance he gives there and so that, that kind of put it over the top for me <laughs> yeah all right. Well, I had to swerve a little bit here, guys, for my performance. Um, I went with the late, great Ziggy Stardust himself, David Bowie, as Nikola Tesla. Not um, wrong. I, I had completely forgotten about this part of the prestige. Uh, as soon as he walks out, I'm like, this Bowie! I knew it <laughs> right away. Uh, and it, it was a welcome sight. Um, you know, I know there's not a ton of screen time, and so I'm giving my best performance to somebody who maybe had ten, maybe ten minutes of the the whole thing really on screen. But I just I just love those interactions with him, with him and Jackman, with him and Andy Circus. I just thought it made for really an interesting role as Tesla. So, God with God with Bowie. I mean, and he, he's not very. He's doing a great job because he's not very David Bowie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, except except for the eyes, because he's got such unique eyes. I mean, you, I I could forget it's Bowie. Yeah, yeah, he's really doing some some something else, and he's really you know giving that elder statesman, really genius, detached, 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of a thing going. Yeah, yeah. It's, he, a, he it's was a very, it's a very distinct like uh, accent he's doing, and the speech pattern is so unlike what he's you know, the way he normally speaks. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought it was really good. Yeah, and I want to call have, it. Re- Go ahead. I was gonna say to have one genius portraying another. You know, I mean, come exactly. On, just, yeah, you you don't see that often in a movie. <laughs> yeah, and and I want to give another nod to uh, Rebecca Hall. I, I, it wasn't one of the bigger roles. She didn't have a ton of screen time, but she had a lot to do in this movie. Like the scenes she was in, she had to portray a lot of emotional stuff and she nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right, next up is best scene. Uh, what you got, Sammy? All right. I think really my favorite scene in this, the the one that, that truly captures the whimsical nature of, uh, of magic and illusion though is the scene between Andy Serkis and Hugh Jackman while standing in that field in Colorado Springs. That wireless transmission of electricity, you know, was always one of Tesla's passions. And to see that come to life on screen and the way that Jackman performs that scene with his surprise and shock, you know, it feels like somebody of that era that would witness something that would seem like pure magic. You know, at that moment. And I just, I just love that scene when all the bulbs light up in that field. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. All right. Um, well, well, for me, we're going to stay with the same character, but it's, it's the last scene. It's a- a- Angier's death scene. Um, and so it's, we're in the bottom of that place. He's dying. He's given a really great death scene performance. Um, I feel like it's, Maybe the, it's the best sort of emotional interaction between uh, Bell and Jackman in the movie. But I also love that as we're watching that scene, like we as viewers know they're surrounded by dead Angiers. We, we know what's in those tanks all around them through this whole scene. And then see, when, when Bell realizes what it is, I just, I just, it's such a powerful scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. But I'm going to the, opposite and i'm going to the beginning of the movie uh the failed water tank escape you know where his wife dies and the whole thing the whole trick <clears throat> establishes so much you know establishes the the driving force of the movie you know the, the desire for revenge and uh, obsession it establishes you know the mechanics of magic you know you have michael kane staying off to the side with a stopwatch you have you know, did they tie the right knot or not you have to tie certain knots uh, the 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 plants in the audience uh, you know of of bell and jackman uh, to to do the specific things that they do uh, and then when michael kane grabs the axe and runs out and you and jerks the thing, and you see the panic on her face in the tank, and as he starts trying to bust it open, and then it just happens just a moment too late. Yeah, you know that that really is a slap. That scene really is a slap. Yep. Yeah. But at the whole time, <laughs> but I keep thinking I'm, I'm mad. I'm mad at the people like flip her over. You know, pump her arms, like do the thing on the hit him on the back. What, I mean, <laughs> you still got time. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I guess you know that could even go to you know, of course, the area. You know, what do they know? Yeah, medically know. and anything. So, and and also, you know, even you know the panic and emotion that's happening in that moment. You know, you're not thinking clearly. You know, 
especially you know being your 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 wife, your friend, your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I understand, and, I, and you're 100 percent right. I know, like, I mean, what the things that they knew medically versus what we know now are, I mean, it's insane. It's you know, it's light years apart. But uh, yeah. just, you just feel for you know. But yeah, yeah. but that but that yeah, scene, on, you know, yeah, that scene though really. Uh, you know, always, always hits me so hard because, and it establishes so much of, of you yeah. know, the driving force of the movie. So that's, yeah, best, best scene for me. But I mean, that's why it works so well. I mean, it, it's such an emotionally powerful scene that I'm, I'm not thinking I'm, I'm not just do the thing, you know, yeah. but, cause, <laughs> right. it, cause it's such a powerful, an emotional moment, you know, mm. basically I'm saying you're right. Mm. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, next up is best character. And I'm first on this one. And for me, this one's easy. Um, I didn't go here for best performance, but I think character-wise, it's the most interesting character in the movie, and that's Alfred Borden. Um, the the idea of the sacrifice that these two twins have made, and cemented by the scene where they're chomping off their fingers to make to make sure they match <laughs> perfectly. It's just wild. But but just thinking about how that would have to play out, um, trading off back and forth, um, the way that that tortures Sarah. Um, you know what that means for his relationship with with Scarlett Johansson's character's name. His character name I've forgotten. Um, but just thinking about the commitment, the level of obsession, so that they can maintain their magic trick. It's just mm-hmm. it's fascinating. Yeah. Now Scarlett Joe is uh, Olivia. Yeah. That's her character so- there. Oh, uh, I'm gonna go next, and I'm going to go with Michael Caine. Anytime you put Michael Caine in a movie, you're halfway there for me, probably, you know, (laughs) but uh, I I love, I love to see him work and in him as a, the, the, what do we call himself? The Imagineer, uh, the guy who makes the tricks, sees how they work. Uh, You know, and and even to the point where at at the beginning of the movie, you see he's at the trial. And there's like, how does this work? It's important to know. How does this work? And he's like, I can't tell you because, you know, then I'm ruined. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that whole drive to create illusion was and the engineering mind behind it is so cool to me. I love his role. Yeah. Definitely. He may come up later. Um <laughs> Best character for me, uh, we've already mentioned her. Sarah Borden, played by Rebecca Hall, is the only character I really felt anything for. And unfortunately, (laughs) that is pity and regret. Uh, She is stuck in the middle of this delusional game being played by Alfred and Robert. Uh, She really is the only one who truly suffers to the point of taking her own life. And really, all she wanted was a life with her husband and her daughter. And she got manipulation and pain. And yeah. Rebecca Hall portrayed that so well. And just, I, I just, she was the only character I could even empathize with. <laughs> and it, like I said, it was, and maybe that's what it was. I just felt so bad for her. I couldn't stand anybody else. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Can see it. Definitely, definitely. Well, next up is best quote. I think I'm changing it. I think I'm changing mine. I did have uh, one quote, but after uh, our discussion carries on, my quote's going to go to Angier, 
uh, Hugh Jackman's character when he's talking to Olivia and, and he's talking about um, how the old man, I think it's Olivia, no. I, I might be getting a couple things conflated where I'm just changing my mind here. But where he's talking about how they saw the old Chinese man doing the trick. And then they see him later and he says, this is his trick. He's playing a cripple. And, and the devotion to the role, and he can't wrap his head around it. He can't wrap his head around the devotion. Uh, that entire way of changing your life to be appears one thing when you're something else. He couldn't get, but Christian Bell's character could. It's so telling of the movie. Yeah, I really wanted the actor who played the uh, the handicapped uh, Chinese magician. I wanted him to be the Keanu connection so bad. Because mm-hmm. he's the uncle from Big Trouble in Little China. No. Yes. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. All right. Um, you know, I, I've kind of got a theme going, if you guys haven't noticed. I, I've kind of keep going back to Tesla. So my quote is also going to come from Tesla. Um, you're familiar with the phrase, man's reach exceeds his grasp. It's a lie. Man's grasp exceeds his nerve. The only limits on scientific progress are those imposed by society. The first time I tried to change the world, I was held as a visionary. The second time, I was asked politely to retire. The world only tolerates one change at a time. And that was telling, one, for Tesla's history, and two, for this movie. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, I'm I'm going back to the the quote that got me thinking about what Nolan was doing with this movie, and so it's uh it's it's in that death scene again, and it's Borden and Angera arguing, and Borden says he went halfway around the world. You spent a fortune. You did terrible things, really terrible things, Robert, and all for nothing. And Angera says for nothing, Borden. Yeah, and here's the quote that gets me, and and got got wheels turning. And I may be completely wrong. <laughs> But it, may, it got me thinking along these lines. Did you never understood why we did this? The audience knows the truth. The world is simple. It's miserable, solid all the way through. But if you could fool them, even for a second, then you can make them wonder. And then you, then you got to see something really special. You really didn't know. It was, it was the look on their faces. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And isn't that what movies are also? escapism yep. from from the dreariness of life so yeah <laughs> they just didn't have uh streaming <laughs> in, in 1900 <laughs> <so>. <laughs> i think nolan wishes we didn't have streaming mail <laughs> <laughs> well it's draft time fellas Woo-hoo. yeah baby and seeing as how almost the entire cast of this movie has appeared in superhero movies, we're going to be drafting best superhero actors. And so we're going with the people we think that once they get out of the spandex are actually the best actors. And so I get to go first and I'm going to do the thing that we're not supposed to do. And I'm going to actually, I'm not, I'm changing my mind right on the spot. I'm going to go Patrick Stewart. Mm. Number one. <laughs> Stink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, Jamie. Right. I pulled my, my guy. 
Well, he's great. He's Patrick Stewart. I mean, I know. Oh, he is Sir Patrick Stewart. Professor yeah. Correct. X. Yeah. He's Professor X, but he's also John Luke Picard. He's Gurney Halleck. I mean, he's 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 in the Nerd Hall of Fame. I mean, he's. I mean, there's almost. I mean, other than Star Wars, what has he not done nerd-wise? But I mean, he's also he's done Shakespeare. I mean, he's done like dramatic mm-hmm. stuff, and he all he's always great. Yep. Well, I'm going with another guy. I'm going with the guy from my first pick that's from that same school. He's not a sir yet. And that is Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm. Talking about Nerd Hall of Fame, right? Not just Doctor Strange. The voice of Smaug. Sherlock Holmes. Trained as Hamlet. I mean, this guy can do it all. He was in, he's calling in Star Trek. Yes. Well, I do try to forget some of that, but. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't write the script. He did a very good performance in that movie, though. That's very true. <laughs> All right, Dwayne. I'm going with another actor who's uh, played Professor X. James McAvoy. Ah. Yeah, he's, he's phenomenal all along the way. Yeah, uh, I, I like his performances. I don't think I've I, ever not... seen him be bad in anything. No, yeah. no, nothing I've ever seen him have I ever, you know, been like, he could have done. No, no, not at all. From Split to Mr. Tumnus, I mean, yep. powerhouse of an actor. Wanted. I didn't mean to catch y'all, Sammy. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say Wanted with Angelina yeah, Jolie. Yeah. yeah, you're getting a lot of that stuff. <sighs> All right. I, I, Split was the one that did it for me with him. I was like, oh, this dude is next level. He's special. Mm-hmm. All right. so, uh, back to you. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, <laughs> my list is gigantic. Um, I'm going to go Will Smith. Mm, um, you know, he, was, he was Deadshot. He was Hancock. He's done some superhero stuff. But... He doesn't always. He needs help picking his role sometimes. But when he when he has been called upon to act, I mean, he really, really performs. And so I, I think Will Smith is a very underrated actor, and I wanted to make sure he got directed. Awesome. Well, w- once again, I'm going to the other side of that, Jamie, <laughs> and I'm going with Idris Elba. Filling in for Will Smith is Bloodsport in the second Suicide Squad movie. (laughs) But he's got such range. Uh, I mean, go from Turn Up Charlie to, you know, all the different things that that he's done. I mean, he's just an amazing actor. And maybe one day Bond. We can only hope. I fear that day has has sailed. They're 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 uh, what rumors I've heard. They're planning on going very young with the next ball. Uh, yeah. Well, that was James Bond Jr. I remember that when I was a kid. Well, I'm not going very young. Uh, I am going with a sir, and I'm going with uh, Professor X's arch nemesis, uh, uh-huh. the original Magneto, Ian McKellen, Gandalf himself. Yes. That's yeah. a that's a dude right there, man. Can I, I mean can I, I don't need really to say anything else. <laughs> can I do a five way tie for my last pick? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
How long uh, do you want to take on honorable mentions? Uh, it, I could go a long time. Um, geez. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go. No, that that wouldn't be right. Um, I'm gonna go Natalie Portman. Um, I don't I don't love her when she's in the superhero movies. I think those are some of her weakest performances. <laughs> I, I think she may have a gigantic crush on Hemsworth because she just forgets how to act when she's around him. But I, I, I think your quote is when that big lug is on the screen, <laughs> if I remember your quote correctly. <laughs> but I mean, I, I didn't love Eva Fenetta, but she's amazing in that movie. Well, she's amazing. Um, I think I've seen her in you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you go back to even like beautiful girls when she's just, you know, you know, was she like 13 in that movie? I mean, she's great in that movie. I mean, I mean, just in from there on, once again, except for when she's around the big lug, she's just amazing in everything. I mean, she's even good in the prequels. I mean, she's not the problem with movies. Leon, the professional, he, yeah, God, that's gonna say, yeah, yep. All right, so I guess I will be rounding out my draft with another sir. And this, this is what I'm I want to see if you guys will buy or not. We saw him in this movie. Sir Michael Caine. Alfred Pennyworth is a superhero. <laughs> if it wasn't for Alfred, <laughs> Batman would have still been crying in the gutter. So. I'm buying it. <laughs> yep. I can't get mad at anybody giving Michael Caine love. I, I just, I can't stand any anger. There's no outrage. Yep. I'm buying it. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm with uh, Jamie. I've got about three that I really want to mention right now. <clears throat> I think I'm going to go any, mini money, mo. Uh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. The second Batman. He'll mail it in from time to time, though. Oh yeah, yeah, he'll cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he's not afraid to cash a check. But, but when he uh, when he commits, he'll he, he commits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's not afraid to cash that check. I, I I mean I considered him, but like once again, like I've seen a couple performances too many where he's just going through the motions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I love, but I, I love his resurgence does vulture. Yeah. And, uh, and, and what's he's happening with him in the Venom verse, you know, he's he's mm-hmm. really really uh, taken over that. That scene when he's intimidating Tom Holland in the car. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's just gold. Uh, honorable mention time. Um, it helped a little bit that some of the picks got taken off the board because we it's kind of an unofficial rule. We don't draft the people from or the or the movies that we're reviewing at the time, so we didn't have to. Yeah, we didn't have to worry about trying to get... Huh? It's unless you're Sammy. Unless you're Sammy. Yeah. Michael it's Michael Caine, Caine though. Yeah. I still can't get mad, about it. Still can't <laughs> get mad about it. <laughs> but, so, that, that, so I didn't have to try to worry about getting Hugh Jackman or Christian Bale on, on the draft. And I, I would have taken probably both of them if I could. Mm-hmm. But so for my... Um, this is the one I was really waffling on for my third pick. I'm going to go Charlize Theron. Um... I know she was only in Hancock, and it was only for a hot second. Um, maybe a little bit more than a hot second, but she's just such an amazing actor. Um, and I just, I, I, I mean, 
there's been a few times I was a, a slightly underwhelmed. I think she was trying to be too subtle or, or too stoic, trying to be like tough or whatever. But she's when, when it's time to act, she's in the heavyweight class. I mean, she's really good. Yeah, most definitely. I, I can see you taking Furiosa. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been top of the mind. And once again, though, what I love is how I keep going to the other side of that coin with Jamie. I'm going Tom Hardy. <laughs> yep, he was on my board. Despite the fact that, that, that Hardy can be who he is sometimes, he has some really <laughs> great roles. And he's great in Venom. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, I've, I love, I've had so much fun with that movie. Uh, but then you look at things like Inception, and that, that's just a totally off-the-wall role for him, and he does it so well. And I mean, he even played uh, a cloned Patrick Stewart in, uh, or cloned Picard in uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah, talk about things that we don't have to think about. <laughs> that entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> he was not one of the problems with that movie. That whole movie's a problem. <laughs> I think it's the only Star Trek movie I've only seen once. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm going to go with a guy who uh, I really enjoy. I don't know how many like super dramatic roles he's turned, but I really enjoy seeing this guy on screen, and he always brings an interesting turn to his roles. Uh, Human Torch himself and Captain America, Chris Evans. I really like to see him in, in you know, non-superhero roles. Uh, Knives Out uh, in particular. Mm-hmm. That's about it for me, though. I've really? been pretty unimpressed with Chris Evans out when he's not star-spangled. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, well, my next one is the young Magneto. Uh, Fastbender was part of that three five-way tie. I want to go for my third pick. I love Michael Fastbender. He's just so good. Yep. Um, just I, I, once again I've never seen him mail it in and he's always doing something interesting when he's on screen yeah. and I always believe him yeah he was on my he was on my board too yeah you guys have pretty much pulled my my, my honorable mentions for my board with all those so I, I'm I'm down to zero at this point okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm going to mention one last one as we go on. And this guy really is responsible for starting the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, as we know it today. Uh, Iron Man himself, Robert Downey Jr., you know, especially some of his career through the through the 80s and 90s, you know, less than zero, Zodiac, you know, some of those roles. Uh, he is a, a great actor. Loves seeing him in things. All right, I'm just going to throw in two before we move on. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence and John Bernthal. We're both on my board. Definitely. Well, as we have wrapped up the superhero section of our magical movie, how does our magical superhero field movie connect with a magical super actor, Keanu Reeves? Jamie? Uh, This week's Keanu connection was a pain in the neck, but... (laughs) We finally found our connection deep in the crew section on IMDb. And this person is another one of those people collected by Nolan and rarely released back out into the wilds of Hollywood. He's worked on for Nolan 
Insomnia, all three Batman flicks, Interstellar, Dunkirk, and Tenet. It's amazing to me how Nolan's circle of trust works. He's like a black hole with an insane gravity. Once you're sucked in, you can never escape the pool. And as much as I love Nolan's movies, I always have a little <laughs> bit of dread because the counter connections are always so brutal. But this dude is occasionally allowed outside to play with others. And he's chosen some interesting projects. He worked on Public Enemies, John Carter. I didn't say they were all good, just interesting. Uh, the Greatest Showman and First Man, for example. Also, between Batman Begins and The Prestige, Nathan Crowley, interesting name for a magic movie, uh, Nathan Crowley was the production designer on the speed reunion between Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves called The Lake House. So Nathan Crowley and a rare romantic movie from Keanu are this week's Keanu Connection. <gasps> Kaboom. <laughs> Oh, and I always love it when you have to go deep into the crew. Because <laughs> so we get some uh, oh, yeah. interesting stories. It may make for an interesting counter connection. It doesn't make for an interesting search. <laughs> it's not fun anyway. <laughs> no, I bet. I I'd bet. say not. I bet. Well, we do hope uh, you had more fun uh, watching uh, this movie and listening to our review as Jamie did connecting Keanu to this movie. Um, <laughs> something else we hope you're going to enjoy uh, is is our next pick, uh, which which Sammy has delivered for us. Sammy, what do you have for us, my friend? All right. You know, there are a few television series that have become large parts of the cultural zeitgeist of their times. For 11 seasons and 218 episodes, yes, I'm counting the two revivals for better or worse, the X-Files made all of us nerds want to believe, as well as maybe crush on Gillian Anderson. But between seasons five and six, the wider movie-going audience got an introduction to Mulder and Scully with the X-Files movie, subtitled Fight the Future. So, gentlemen, we're hopping back next week to 1998 to see if the X-Files phenomenon still holds up here at the roundtable. All right. And you can find X-Files Fight the Future on Hulu if you have a subscription there with your Disney bundle. Uh, It's also available on Prime, Voodoo, and Roku stores for a $3.99 rental. So as we prepare to delve back into the X-Files, Jamie, what are we going to do? We're going to keep our eyes peeled for the smoking man as we keep it nerdy. 